This is episode 33 of the Rising Man podcast with Matt Aitchison. Money, 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 money! Money! Welcome back, Rising Man community. I am your host, Jetty Azuma, and I am so excited to have a little bit of a different twist on today's episode. I'm bringing on a guest who is going to talk about a topic that all of us are interested in, but a lot of us don't know how to navigate. So before we jump into that, I want to speak to my risers, my men out there who have been listening to this podcast, whether it's your first time or your 40th time. I want to speak to you guys right now, and I have a message for you guys. If you're feeling stuck, if you're like me and you have moments in your life where you feel stuck, you're not sure how to break into the next level of your ability, chances are that you've started to cruise in your life. And whether things seem easy or difficult to you, it's clear that what you're doing right now isn't working. So if that's you, listen up right now, because every man needs a reset. Every one of us needs a jolt, a power boost at times. And Compass is exactly that. Compass is the four-month rites of passage that I have created from all of the most amazing transformational growth experiences I've had in the past decade of my life, all combined into one power package of growth and transformation. This is where we're going to uncover our purpose, deepest truths, while developing a lifelong brotherhood with other men who are on the path. So if you're ready to take a bold leap into the unknown and never look back, make sure you apply today because seats are already starting to fill up and there's only a few seats available. So the link to the application page will be inside the show notes here. There's going to be more information rolling out in the next days and weeks to come. So if this gets your interest, if you feel like one of these men that I mentioned in the beginning of this introduction here, make sure you apply today. Okay, take action on behalf of yourself. Don't look back. Also, if you're not already a part of the Rising Man Facebook community, make sure you go over to facebook.com slash groups slash the Rising Man and get yourself an invite today. We're over 700 men now and on the rise. We're growing and growing and growing. So if you're already inside of the Rising Man Facebook group, please go ahead and invite three, five, ten of your buddies today so that we can keep this movement growing. Okay, let me introduce my guest for today's episode. His name is Matt Aitchison. He is a seven-figure real estate investor, millennial entrepreneur, speaker, and an avid adventurist. He's the host of the Millionaire Mindcast and the creator of Six Figure Flipper, an e-learning company that helps everyday people like myself start their own real estate investing business. What he's most proud of is his being devoted husband and father to his two little girls. He's also a philanthropist who has made it his mission to improve his community in whatever ways he can. So... The topic of money is a very taboo topic, and I know I've had my own unique relationship with money, and we talked a little bit about that in this episode. Some of the things we discussed are why money is actually not the root of all evil. So everybody's heard that phrase, money's the root of all evil. Why is money not the root of all evil? A different perspective on that. Maddie talked to us about how to reframe our perspective on success and earning a living. Also, we talked about making your hard work more effective by clarifying your vision first and why everyone, every single one of us ought to have mentors and the value of mentorship. This man is a well of information and he's all at the ripe age of 30 years old. So he's a young guy who's got a lot of wisdom, a lot of experience. So for those of you guys out there who are interested in success, in building wealth for yourself, your family and your community, make sure you turn up the volume and dial it in right here. Without further ado, Matt Aitchison. 
All right, Matt Aitchison in the building, joining us live from Northern California area, man. How are you doing today? Dude, I'm great, man. It's, uh, it's a beautiful day. My daughters love me. My wife still loves me. I'm healthy. I mean, not a, not a whole lot to complain about. Yeah, man. It's great to look across the screen at you with a big smile on your face. I know that you were you were just getting over telling me how a cold swept through your household. So a guy who can smile and be grateful in spite of all those things, I think is moving in the right direction. You have to be, man. There's uh, there's so many things that you could easily focus on to, you know, kind of bring you down and kind of a surreal moment. Actually, uh, a girl that I used to work with, 26 years old, got a four-year-old daughter and she's got stage four lymphoma. Oh. And she's talking about not being able to see her daughter graduate from kindergarten. One of my best friends has a young boy who's two years old, who's got a rare, rare disease called Menkes. There's, you know, only a handful of cases in the world. It's a brand new disease. You know, they don't even know where it came from. Doctors, nurses have no idea. And, you know, they're dealing with some pretty challenging stuff in regards to that. So when you think about all of the stuff that people deal with on a daily basis outside of, you know, our own little problems that we create in our own head, life's pretty damn good. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we could cut the clip right there and that would be a powerful enough message for everybody today. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, man. Yeah. It's a lot of people deal with a lot of crap and so, you know, whatever you're dealing with right now, I guarantee you we can go, you know, comb the world and find people that are dealing with stuff astronomically worse. So, I'm I always try and make sure I reframe that on a daily basis and count my blessings and do my gratitude and and just, you know, give thanks for the fact that, you know, I'm here. I'm breathing. I have an opportunity to do what I get to do on a daily basis. And that in itself is a win every day. That's awesome, man. Well, great to start off the show and the interview like that. You know, there's so many wonderful assets that you bring to the table here, you know, between the the business that you've been running and, and being very successful in real estate and your real estate investments and also having the Millionaire Mindcast. It's great to have somebody on the show here who's also a young guy. You said you're you're just about to turn 30 or you just turned 30? Yeah, yeah, I just turned 30 in May, man. I'm in the, the Dirty 30 Club. In the Dirty 30 Club. Right on, man. Welcome. Welcome to the club. <laughs> so, so you've achieved a lot of quote unquote success. You know, that's something we could talk about is how success is measured before the age of 30. And the experience of making money as a millennial has been one that you and I talked about before we started recording is a very interesting journey for guys. So I'm looking forward to tapping into your wisdom around your experience in making a lot of money and, and being really successful and how you negotiate that with other things like bigger vision and the big picture of the world. So before we jump into that, let me start off by asking you questions I ask everybody. And that's what is the difference between a boy and a man? I think it's just responsibility. You know, I think responsibility and ownership. A lot of people want to pass the buck, you know, or they just don't want to honestly, ruthlessly take ownership of the things in life and their family and their business in general. I see a lot of people just wanting to look outward instead of reflecting inward and, you know, seeing where their DNA is on things, taking ownership of the hard stuff. And that in itself, I mean, the people who, you know, there's, there's a lot of people, like I said, facing challenging situations or don't necessarily want to do things, but they do them anyways. And so just taking responsibility in life is, I think, uh, one of the many things that distinguish the difference between the two. Yeah, that's great. This is becoming a, a consistent answer that I get from a lot of the guests. So it's, it's good. It's good to really ground that and root that. It's refreshing to hear that it's not about growing hair on our faces or sleeping with a woman for the first time. All, all of these historical beliefs we have around what it means to be a man and to transcend from boyhood into manhood. So uh, I love that element of taking responsibility. I think that 
you know, it, it goes back to that external versus internal thing. And I can't speak for other people, but I know when I felt like I shifted from being a boy to a man was when I took ultimate responsibility for my own life. Because a lot of my life was lived for other people, for external reasons, for things that I thought I should be doing or uh, should be saying or should be acting. And when I became, uh, I read a book, uh, I actually got arrested in, I got expelled from high school. I got arrested in college and I was taking no ownership of my life and always passing the buck to somebody else or something external and, you know, making it to where, you know, I had no DNA on it, or I just wasn't owning the DNA that I had on it. And I remember uh, when I was in jail, and I took full, 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 full ownership of what I had done, and that I had the ability to make sure that my past didn't equal my future. And if it was up to me, that it was going to be my responsibility, nobody else's to go out there and make that happen. And that's the journey I've been on the last basically decade of self-improvement and surrounding myself with the right people and just doing the right things. And it's a, it's a never ending journey, obviously. But I remember reading a book by Brene Brown. It's called The Gift of Imperfections. Mm. And one of the big things that I took away from that book was just owning who you are and taking full responsibility for who you are and unapologetically being who you are. And obviously aligning that with your core values and morals and ethics and being a good person, right? You know, you don't want to take ownership of being an asshole or a prick. But mm. at the same time, it was one of those things where when I owned who I was and took responsibility for who I was on a daily basis and became the true representation of who that was and constantly and intentionally and purposely worked on improving that person, Every single day, all of my relationships and my experiences and my opportunities and everything in my world became an organic reflection of that person that I was taking ownership of and I was becoming responsible for. And so I think that that right there is, is a hard challenge for a lot of people because we constantly mold ourselves into, you know, acting, feeling, thinking, saying things that we think the external world that we live in will accept us for. And when I got really clear on what I was doing and why I was doing it and who I was doing it for, and then obviously went on the journey of reflecting inward and trying to learn and know more about who I was as a person and as a man, that allowed me to unapologetically journey into kind of that rabbit hole and figure out who that was. And so I think if you can take responsibility for yourself and take full ownership of who you are and work your ass off every single day to become a better person version of yourself, like every single day, you have to reinvent somebody new that wasn't there the day before. If you want to achieve the life, the dreams, the vision, and maximize your potential as a human being on this planet. So I think uh, that right there, right, kind of sums it up for my mentality around what is the difference between the two? There's a lot of grown ass men that are in their 40s and 50s, but I wouldn't consider them men because they don't take ownership of their life. They, they don't have their priorities straight. They don't have their morals straight. They don't have any idea who they are. And if you can get to that place and build on that place and have a strong foundation to you know, grow from there, I think you know, you're, you're on the right path. Yeah, man. Uh, well, I really appreciate you laying it out the way you did. And so let, just for context sake, when, when, you had, when you got arrested and you had that realization of I got to take responsibility for myself, how old were you at that time? I was 19 going on 20 years old. 19 going on 20 years old. It, fascinating, man, because uh, it's interesting how we find ourselves in each other's stories. And I had a very similar experience. I was a few years older. I was about 23 years old when I got arrested and had my moment where I was like, damn, 
I get to start taking responsibility for myself because it would have been easy to look to my parents to you know fix the situation for me or tell me what I was supposed to do. But in, inherently, I knew that this is my moment where I get to take ownership for this. I get to take care of all this, and then I can let everybody know what happened. I'll tell the story after yep. the fact. And I agree with you, man. There's a lot of guys who are middle-aged or maybe not even middle-aged guys in their 30s and 40s who aren't taking ownership of their life and everything in it, who are still looking for reasons and excuses not to take responsibility for the way their life has unfolded. And what most people don't realize is that that's a powerless position to be in. That is giving our power away to all of the circumstances instead of taking that power back for ourselves. So, 100% agree. Yeah, man. So you, you crushed it on the explanation, man. explanation there, man. Thanks for laying it out like that. Before we jump into money and success and all of that, I want to ask one more question. I've been starting to ask my guests this because I'm starting to see there's a distinction between the words masculine and feminine. And so just right off the cuff, what is the difference for you between masculine and feminine? They go hand in hand. You know, there, there's certain ways that I show up in my relationships and just in my daily life that are masculine. And there's times that I show up feminine, you know, and I think I don't really know if there's a, a major distinction on an individual basis due to the fact that I think everybody has the ability to show up in both of those spaces should they choose to. And I think oftentimes for me, it depends on what environment I'm in and who I'm with that allows me. First, I think it's an awareness thing, right? Um, like I have two little girls. So you know, when I'm sitting down playing tea time and, you know, my daughter's three and a half last night and we were doing a, you know, a daddy makeover where I was putting on makeup on my face and <laughs> that, my natural masculine, you know, personality would be like, hell no, I would never do that. But so I think it depends on the environment that you're in that uh, in order to best show up and serve in that environment or in that experience or to that individual, you got to understand what side of the fence you actually need to tap into. And just being aware and comfortable of that, I think is, you know, uh, an important part of it. So I, we all have the abilities to do both. I've done a lot of like, you asked me to be feminine or show feminine personalities or capabilities or awareness, you know, a decade ago, I'd be like, you're freaking crazy, man. Like, that's not the way my programming was set up. But over this last decade of all the personal development I've done and the research and the way of the superior man, which is a great book in regards to masculine and feminine, that has allowed me to give myself permission to tap into those areas instead of trying to sweep them under the rug or keep the, you know, the lock on it and, you know, throw the key away. So I think we all have the ability to show up in masculine and feminine ways in certain environments or experiences. There's a good fit, I think, for which ones to push into and maybe to pull back from. But I don't know. That's, that's a tough question. That's, that's a tough one to answer. Yeah. Well, and I, I call these, in some ways, they're sort of trap questions because I ask them so that we can start to debunk some of these myths of what their differences between a boy and a man, what the differences between masculine and feminine, because I know myself growing up, anything that resembled feminine qualities amongst my peers of, you know, young men figuring out our way in the world was seen as gay or, you know, oh, dude, you must be, you must be a homo because of the, mm -hmm. you know, because you're acting yeah. like a girl and acting like a bitch. All these, all this terminology that has created a resistance for men to do anything or embrace anything that has the word feminine or that essence attached to it, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I, I can totally relate. And I think it's, it's a great question. And now more than ever, I think, well, it's interesting because there's so many polar, like I, I grew up in California in a melting pot, 
full of any ethnicity, you know, sexual orientation. So I'm very open and exposed to all of this stuff where it's, it's not something that I always double take at, right? Whereas you go into certain areas of the country and it's, I mean, it's like, you don't do that. You don't act that way. You don't say this. You don't think like this. You don't mm -hmm. look like this. And so, um, you know, my experience with it has been is even though I did grow up in, you know, an area that was, or, or I guess an environment, a tribe, a, a group of, of men that were all very, very masculine because I grew up in a kind of in a sports world most of my life, as I've explored the, the other side of the fence, on this kind of second part of my life, I would say that I've become much more open to it and embracing of it, not only in others, but actually exploring it in myself. Hmm. And I think one of the most masculine things you can do is to push into exploring all of the parts of yourself that may actually uncover some feminine sides of yourself too. Mm -hmm. And being open to that instead of acting like I have to be this manly man and I got to talk this way and I got to show up this way. And as, as men, right, like a perfect example of men are always supposed to, and this kind of ties into the money things like men are supposed to provide and support and be the rock, mm. right? We're supposed to be the rock at all times. And that's what women feminine wise have been programmed over, you know, generations and centuries of going, the man is the rock and they have to be the provider. And, you know, I'm the supporter and shit, man, my, my wife has masculine tendencies where she sometimes is the rock and I need her to be the rock. Like I don't always want to be the rock. Right. So I think, you know, being understanding and aware of that, just because you think, Oh, that's feminine. doesn't make you any weaker of a man or a pussy or, you know, any of those things when before my programming and untangling that whole bar, ball of yarn took some time to go, that doesn't make me a pussy. It makes me human. I have actual feelings. Like I need support. I have weaknesses too. I don't need to be this you know, perfect iron statue walking around like I know all and I can be all and I can do all like that doesn't serve you or anybody around you. And ultimately, it's not sustainable, right? Mentally, physically, emotionally. So I think that's a, it's actually a great, you know, topic and conversation to, to have because I think a lot of men need permission to go to that side because I know that for until I got around the masterminds and I got around the events and the books and the audio podcasts and things like that, I didn't have anybody giving me permission to explore that side of myself. And when I did, I became much more empathetic and much more well-rounded. And I became much more stable emotionally to know that all of those things, there's nothing wrong with it, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and, and that I think is part of the process of when you get around the environments, the people, the conversations, because I believe we've grown the conversations were around when I was hanging around, you know, a bunch of people that were smoking pot, drinking, getting in fights and talking bullshit all day long, that's pretty much who I became. When I started hanging around, you know, nine other millionaires who were being very purposeful and open and intentional about their life and contributing to other people outside of themselves and working on themselves 24-7, that's kind of the mentality I adopted too. So you got to be very careful of who you're listening to and be a gatekeeper of your mind. And one of those things was other men giving me permission to explore these things that I thought were, you know, wimpy and like, don't do that, dude. So, um, good, good, good question there. Yeah. Well, and, and I think you nailed it there for me in the sense that it's a great invitation to give guys permission to start considering this. And ultimately, yeah. you know, going back to the measure of a man, giving yourself permission, not waiting for anybody else to give you permission for how you choose to be. You know, if you're going to be the type of man who has two daughters, who lets them, you know, paint your nails and, and you know, fan your eyebrows because that's your definition of, of a masculine father and being a, being a man for your family, then 
that's that's beautiful and that's what you, who you get to be and if your definition is something different then just own it that's really the bottom line is own it and take ownership of who you're saying you want to be in the world and so so that's cool man that's, that gives some great context for this conversation i love asking those questions because now i know exactly where i want to go <laughs> in this dialogue uh, i like it so so leading on from there let's let's go with this what do you say to people who ask who believe the statement money is the root of all evil uh, i think it's just poor programming i think it's it's just been passed down from generation to generation, you know, there's that, that one story, one of my mentors told me this story, and I'm, I'm sure many have heard it, but it was like, you know, at Thanksgiving time, every year, this, this woman, she prepped her ham where she cut the, the, the sides off the ham. And when she put it in the oven, you know, that was how she baked the ham. And one year, her daughter asked, was like, Mom, why do you, you know, why do you cut, cut the sides off of the ham? And she goes, well, that's just the way it's done, honey. Like, that's just how you, you prep the ham. And then, the mom kind of went back and thought about it. She's like, that's weird. So she went back and asked her mom. And she's like, mom, why did, why did, why did you cut the sides off of the ham? Like, you know, I, I do it, but I didn't, I just thought that was the way it was done. And she goes, well, that's the way your, your great grandmother prepped it. And so that's the way we do it. And that's why you do it too. And she went back to her, you know, hundred year old grand, great, great grandmother and asked her grandma, why, why do you cut the, the sides off of the ham? And she goes, I just couldn't find a pot big enough. So I had to cut the sides off the ham. <laughs> and it was like one of those things where it was like, they had no rhyme or reason to why they did it or why they thought that way or why they acted that way. But it had just been passed on and subconsciously they just all accepted it. Right. And so I think when it comes to money for a lot of people, it's just these passed on conversations that have, you know, been adopted for generation and generation. And I believe that, you know, money is actually a, a beautiful thing. I want as much of it as I possibly can. And it doesn't make me a bad person for desiring to have as much money as I possibly can. You know, Will Smith says when it comes to money, money doesn't change people. It only amplifies who they are and what they internally already believe and feel about money. Mm. Right. And it just gives you more of a platform to be heard and seen when it comes to those ideologies around money. So I know a lot of wealthy, wealthy, wealthy people that are absolutely amazing human beings and use their money for good. They contribute to charities and causes. They give it back to their community they use it to provide security and freedom and fun and flexibility for them and their family to pass it on to future generations. I mean, and they, they use it for good. And I know a lot of people that suck, you know, and have a lot of money. I know a lot of people that suck and don't have a lot of money. So I don't, I don't think the money part has anything to do with your moral integrity and your character. It just amplifies your ability to display what that really is. So a lot of people that think, oh, everybody with money is evil. That's bullshit, man. And, and that's, I would immediately challenge you to reflect back inward and go, why do I think that? Mm. Right? Because I can go around and find a lot of people that are amazing human beings that have a lot of money and they use it for good. And all I feel about money is money is just a form of energy synonymous with choice and choice gives us options and everybody loves options. And so I want more money so I can have more options to travel with my family, to have security, to be able to give to all of the charities that I contribute to. I mean, the other day, I just released a video where in my mastermind group, there's, there's six of us, and we did a contribution challenge. And I had the ability to spend a couple hundred bucks and put a bunch of gift bags together. And I walked all around downtown Sacramento, and I started handing out gift bags with shirts 
and underwear and Chipotle burritos and water and snacks and toothbrushes and deodorant to all the homeless people. If I didn't have money, I would be like, oh, I would love to do this, but I just can't. Right. And so that gave me an option and a choice to do that. And that is what money gives you is choices and options. And we all want more of that. So if you immediately go to the fact that thinking money is, and don't get me wrong, I know I have a lot of friends that are like, money doesn't mean anything to me. Like I can live paycheck to paycheck and still be happy. And so I think that ultimately when we talk about options and choices, if your choice allows you to be happy and it doesn't require money, cool, great. Nothing wrong with that, right? If your choices and options that you want for your life require money, well, then go out and make as much damn money as you possibly can. But I don't think money is, is the root of all evil by any means. There's a lot of people that use it for bad, and there's a lot of people that use it for good. So you can't group everybody into the, into the same you know, category. Yeah, well, that's, that's a great explanation. And I agree with you completely that the belief that money is evil is, is absolutely just poor programming. The fact that you can say that, that phrase, money is the root of all evil, and almost everybody you speak to is going to have recognized that and have another story that's linked directly to it, either that they agree with it or they disagree with it. And so um, going back into our, our own money mindset or the money story that we inherit, I inherited a story from my family that money is very scarce and also that money is something that will will pollute a person, will make somebody will tarnish their their values. And I love what you said that Will Smith said about amplifying who the person really is. That's perfect. So what do you say to people who, uh, let me ask you this first. What, what money story would you say you came from so that we know a little bit about where you came from? And then also just how do you support people who are trying to rewrite the money story that they have if it doesn't serve them? Yeah, I came from two kind of separate backgrounds. Both my parents, we were low, lower middle class. Both my parents were blue collar my dad was white collar, just hardworking Americans that kind of worked their way up corporate America. My mom was the only person that lived in the U.S. from her side of the family. She lived here when she was, came over here when she was 17 and worked her way up in corporate America. So both my parents are hardworking individuals that they've distilled that kind of, I guess you could say, gene or mentality in me of like anything you want to do, you can, you can accomplish with hard work. You don't need to be the smartest, fastest, or strongest, but hard work will trump intelligence any day. Resourcefulness will trump resources any day. And so my dad was a penny pincher, super tight with his money. Very, very, I don't want to say scarcity based when it came to money, but just very, very conservative. Mm -hmm. That was his money mentality. My mom was a, a little bit looser with her money. And, you know, she had experienced and had some financial troubles when it came to money. So I kind of had seen both sides of the, of the fence. And when it came to like when I, when, when I started evaluating, like what, what can money do for me? Like, is it really that important? What can it do for me? Well, mental and physical security was one thing. It would allow me to travel, which I love to travel and have experiences. Education, it allows you to, you know, educate yourself. It also allows you to have the lifestyle that you want. It's important for health and preservation, right? That's not cheap nowadays. And it also gives you the ability to contribute. So when I went back and kind of audited, like, why, why do I want this? Like, what is important about this to me? Those were a lot of the things that came up. And then when I started asking myself is, you know, when I think everybody, when they're young at some point, at least for the most, you know, I can't speak for everybody, but I know for me, it was like, I want to be wealthy and I want to be rich and I want to experience all of these amazing things that I see money able to provide for people. But then I like asked myself, you know, what is being wealthy? Like if you were to strip away all your material possessions and get to the root of what's left, what would you have? Well, 
I would have my health. I would have my family and my relationships. I would have freedom to be able to do what I want, not have somebody like live in a dictatorship or, you know, some country that doesn't allow me to do anything, speak for myself, think for myself. So when I kind of got to the root of like all those things, I said, shoot, man, I want to make as much of this as I can, because one, all of those things are important to me. And if they weren't, then maybe I wouldn't want to make all that money. Right. But that's where you have to go back. And like on my podcast, I ask all of these, you know, multimillionaires and I've interviewed billionaires and I say, what does wealth mean to you? Right. And it's interesting because everybody has a different definition of wealth. Mm -hmm. And so I would throw that back to somebody and say somebody who maybe has a poor money mindset or a a, a good money mindset of just making sure that the reason why you feel the way you feel is ultimately in alignment with the life that you want to live. And if it's not, then maybe you need to reframe or reprogram or question, right? Asking some challenging questions to get a better idea of what is most important to me and does money tie into this equation at all? And if it doesn't, cool, then you just need to design your lifestyle equation around the necessities that provide that lifestyle for you. If it is, then be intentional and learn and strategically go about making as much money as you can, right? And so I think part of the process, like how do you get wealthy? You make small, smart choices consistently over an extended period of time, and that doesn't always have money involved in the equation. So I think it's one of those things where first and foremost, you got to be really clear and, and very, very, very intentional about what it means to you. Then from there, you can reverse engineer an action plan of going out and getting whatever it is that is needed in order to live that lifestyle. And if money's in that equation, then awesome. And if it's not, right, and to a certain extent, at the end of the day, money makes the world go around, right? It puts food on the table, it keeps electricity on, it keeps a roof over your head. So let's be honest here. Like it is part of the equation and you do need to make it some intentional aspect of how you live your life. But based on that, then you can figure out what other things need to be involved in that equation to go out and get enough of what you need to live the way you want to live. I think it's a great first place to start. I find that a lot of guys don't even ask themselves that first question of what do I really want my life to look like and giving themselves permission to declare exactly what you want your life to look like and then decide the means whereby, then worry about the how, but getting clear on that, what, what do you want your life to really look like? Because like you said, money may be a significant factor in that when you actually look at it and you're actually honest with yourself, or it might not be. But there are so many people out there who are chasing money blindly, believing that that's going to lead them to where they want to end up, having never considered where they actually want to go. And so I think that's a great question that you bring up there is to start from that place, square one, what do you want your life to look like? Yeah. I mean, you, you, that's, I, I personally feel, and I see this with a lot of people that, you know, I've mentored or worked with one-on-one is they want some, they, they know they want something, but they're really not clear in what they want, right? And so it's very easy to waste a lot of time and to make decisions that aren't aligned with what you really want. So the first, very first step is to get crystal clear in what it is that you want, right? And if what you want is, you know, being able to travel around the country and experience the world. And that only requires a couple thousand bucks a month. And you can do that by working as a bartender in different cities and States around the world. And that provides you happiness, then cool, right? Like nothing wrong with that. If you want a hundred million dollars in your bank account, cool. Awesome. We just need to get really, really clear and purposeful of what that is first. Then we can reverse architect and engineer an action plan that allows you to go about 
achieving those things. But the wealth equation, going back to it, is you need to have the right vehicle, you need to have the right knowledge for that vehicle, and most importantly, you need to have the right you. If you can figure out those three things, whether it's barely making ends meet and it still makes you happy, or it's making 100 million bucks in your, having 100 million bucks in your bank account, that's great. You just need to know vehicle that I'm making money through. What is the knowledge to maximize the amount of money I can make in this vehicle? And what kind of person do I need to be, think, act, show up in every single day in order to make sure that those other things fall into line and I can get what I need out of this, you know, this plan. But a lot of people, they, I call it, they, they have very unclear expectations of what they want in life. They want something, but they don't know what, right? And they don't take the time to actually explore and figure that out. And then they have their days, their weeks, their months, their years filled with what I call dirty yeses, which are basically filling your life up by saying yes to things or doing things that just 100% aren't aligned with the life, the goals, the income, the lifestyle that you have envisioned for yourself. Mm. So when you get clear on that, very crystal clear, then it becomes easy. And I don't want to say easy. It's it allows you to be much more intentional with how you spend your time, where you spend your time, what you say yes and what you say no to. And when you're very, very clear, I don't say yes to a lot of stuff anymore. When I was a yes man, now I have very purposeful and sometimes ruthlessly have to say no to things because I know that I'm 100% clear on where I'm going. If it's not aligned with that, then I have to say no to it. Or else if I'm not exercising that discipline, then I'm not going to cover the ground. I'm not going to be doing the things and I'm not going to be achieving the results that I want that are aligned with what I tell myself I want. So I think it all starts with clarity and a lot of people are lacking clarity. Hmm. Absolutely, man. We could, we could leave that one right there. I, I think, and, and everything that we've spoken about so far obviously ties into money mindset, millionaire mindset, and it's, it's coming through you as we speak right now. Um, one of my intentions for having you on the show was also to challenge some of these myths that people who are not millionaires might have about what it means to be wealthier to have a lot of money. So one of the questions I came up with is, is it easy to be a millionaire? Oh, hell no. Yeah. No, <laughs> it's not easy at all. Because uh, you can was, see where a lot of people would think that, right? Like, oh, I got a bunch I, of money. This is easy, right? I, I would say uh, if it was easy, there'd be a lot of millionaires walking around this planet right now, mm -hmm. right? And so I would say the equation is simple, but it's not easy. And the reason why it's not easy is because people don't exercise the discipline, mental, physical, emotional on a daily basis that's necessary to becoming. Everybody hears that you got to become the person, be, do, have, right? If you become and then you do, then you will have. And it's like, oh, that's so, that's so cliched and blah, 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 blah. And you hear that over and over again. And yet once it really sinks into the core of your being that you actually have to become someone. It's like I look at, you know, when I was younger, I used to play video games all the time. And every video game had a boss that you had to beat in order to get to the next level. And unless I understood all of the skills and navigating the landscape and avoiding the pitfalls and, you know, all of the ways that could potentially kill you and then have to start back over, until you figure that process out, you're not going to get to the next level. And every level has something new that you have to learn over and over and over again. So to not only, there's a lot of people that can become a millionaire and then all of a sudden they lose it, right? Mm -hmm. It's because they didn't become the individual that now has normalized the habits, the beliefs, the disciplines, right? All the things that go along with earning and sustaining that level of success, that level of wealth, that level of freedom. 
Like anybody can accomplish anything, but can you keep it? Mm. And so one of the things that I say is like, you have to 2.0 yourself every single day. Like you have to, like I said it earlier, you have to reinvent somebody new every single day that wasn't there before. You have to level up in your discipline. You have to level up in your commitments. You have to level up in your wisdom, in your experiences, in your network, right? All of these things. So is it simple? Yeah. I mean, there's, you do small, smart choices every single day for an extended period of time and you let the compound effect work in your favor, you're going to see massive results eventually in your life. You're going to become that 10 year overnight success story. But no, it's not easy. But at the same time, anybody can do it. Mm. Anybody can do it. I mean, I've, I've interviewed some people that have some challenges that would make you feel like the biggest wimp in the world and go, man, what is my excuse? Right. And so I think that a lot of people just lack the discipline to consistently stay with it every day. And they don't actually have the ability to internalize all of those things that allow them to go, okay, like, I've learned my lesson here. I know how I've 2.0 certain things in my life in order to continue getting to those next levels. So every level of life, at least based on what I've learned thus far in my 30 years, I've had to become somebody new every step of the way. Every chapter, I've learned something new about myself. And you can't, you can't continue to allow bad programming to self-sabotage you into going back and hitting the reset button all the time time, which is what a lot of people do. They see a little bit of success then they fall back into bad habits or bad disciplines or bad thinking or bad environments or whatever it may be. So I think the biggest part of all of this is, is self-discipline. Do you have the discipline to do these things over and over and over again? And one of the things that I was listening to a podcast the other day, there was, if, are you familiar with David Goggins yep. living with a seal? Mm-hmm. Um, I've been just all over that dude stuff and just absorbing it left and right. And one of the things that he talks about is just, you have to become uncommon amongst common people. Mm. And the millionaires, I would say majority of them, right, have found a way to do the uncommon stuff that common people just can't do every single day. They force themselves to do the shit that people can't force themselves to do every day, whether that's waking up early and having a morning routine, whether that is, you know, balancing your budget every single month, like whatever it may be, you have to find a way to uncommonly do the things that common people just won't do consistently. Maybe they'll do it for a week. Maybe they'll do it for a month. But will they do it day in, day out, month in, month out, quarter in, quarter out, year after year? Right. And that, that's a hard thing to do. But it is possible. I can tell you that much. And I'm on this journey of becoming uncommon, badass mofo that does these things whether I want to do them or not. Right. And I still have my breakdowns. But I found a way to string together more uncommon stretches in my life than the common ones, at least over the last decade, right? I had a a lot of uncommon days, weeks, months, and years for the majority of my life, actually. Mm -hmm. But I think right now, everyone wants to take the easy path, the paved path, when you don't learn anything by doing that. And everyone else is on that road anyways, right? The real gems come from when you go through the hard challenges and when you keep going, when you pick yourself up out of the dirt, man, like, damn, that sucked. Like there's, there's been a lot of times where I've literally wanted to wave the right flag and ring the bell and just be like, I just need to go back and get an easy job. You know, I need to get a safe job. I need to go back and do da 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 or whatever it is, right? And our brain will find a way to protect us. And yet we have to find a way ourselves internally 
to know how to push through that when that comes up, right? I can't always control my first thought. I want to go back and get a safe job. Hell no, you don't, dude. Get in there. Get after it, right? So you can always control the second thought, the thought that comes after that. Mm. But over time, exponentially, that, that grows. That grows. And so anybody that might be going, man, you know, I don't know if I can do that. That's okay. I used to think that too. And yet, right after I said that to myself, I was like, fuck yeah, I can do that. Like, mm-hmm. that dude is no different than me. She's no better than I am. Like, of course I can do that. Right. So I think it's one of those things where if you can be an aware and intentional human being, like we're all wired very similarly. We've all got some bad programming. We've all got some good programming. Some people have just been very, very intentional and purposeful about making their programming serve them instead of them serving their programming. Yeah. And, and that's a great point. I, I, I like that mentality you have of you can't control your first thought, but your second thought you have control over. That's that's a great one right. to take home. And and for for those guys out there who are you know that have a hard time believing in themselves, that that's one simple spot to put all of your attention and focus into is not giving so much credit to your first thought and choosing the second thought that you have that's going to move the needle a little bit more forward because. If you look around at everybody, that's that's another simple practice, right? Is look around what everybody else is doing and look at the results that they're getting by doing the same thing everybody's doing. You can do the opposite of that. You don't yep. ha- you don't have to wait for somebody to give you permission to start doing something to do something that's uncommon, that's unorthodox that goes against the grain because that's where success lies it sounds like. Yep. Yeah. And I, I think too a lot of people the first experience they have with hardship, they want to throw in the towel. Mhm. Right? And I'm not good enough or, you know, I can't do this or I don't have the ability because of X, my mom, my dad, my upbringing, my whatever, right? My disability, my whatever. And I'm telling you, man, some of the the people that I've been able to interview have inspired me to always have that mentality of going, hell no, like it doesn't matter what you're facing or experiencing. You can't overcome anything should you choose to, Mm -hmm. but it's a choice, right? And during our toughest, t- toughest times, we often forget how fucking badass we actually are. Like we are badass people on this planet. Jordan B. Peterson, uh, he he's wrote this book called The Twelve Rules of Life, mm-hmm. and uh, I just recently finished that. And it was one of the things that stood out to me was the fact that he said, you know, every day I walk out of my my front door and I'm blown away that our world isn't a burning inferno of hell. Like the fact that we as human beings have the ability to transcend all of the challenges and obstacles and fears and things on a daily basis without our world going up in flames just shows how infinitely powerful we are. And yet 99% of us never fully tap into and push into what that is, Hmm. right? And so I think that you look at the highest achievers and performers on the world, they've all faced extreme hardship, but they've kept going. And so I think, you know, when you experience those moments, it is critical for you to have conversation and surround yourself with the right people, the right, you know, right environment and and continue tapping into and exploring what mentality you are operating in in that moment. Because we all have the ability to shift it and change it. But this this journey, I mean, there's a lot of pain and struggle that goes to experiencing some of the greatest blessings and beauty in life. And if you're not willing to experience that or every time it does come up and you immediately opt out of it instead of opt into it, you're, you're just never going to get what you want. You're really never going to get what you want. 
And I know that anybody that's listening to this right now knows that they have the ability to do it. But when it comes up the next time, right, are you going to win that conversation and move past it and move through it instead of opting out of it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And one of my favorite things to think about is that all the learning occurs out on the edge. And there's so many people mm. who are playing it safe, you know, several steps away from the edge. You know, you just think about that feeling you get in your gut when you approach a high, uh, like like a cliff. If you're standing at the edge of a cliff, that feeling you get in your gut is very comparable to what we experience on our day-to-day lives when it comes to big challenges that we face. And so all the learning is right out there. And, and there's not many people who are willing to play on that razor's edge. So so true. Yeah. There is no replacement for experience, right? Like you... <laughs> I see, I see a lot of people that are really freaking smart and they read a lot of books and, you know, they're way damn smarter than I am. They go to all these conferences and they, you know, they, they know everything, but until you get in there and experience it firsthand, you're never going to develop the muscle, the strength and your mental discipline to know that you, to know what you're really made of. And so that's really where I've been challenging myself over the last few years. And I'll be the first to raise my hand and say, there's no way I have all this figured out. Mm. Um, you know, I still have my weak moments for sure, but I am committed and have made it a forefront focus of what I do every day to say when I hit that wall to keep going and to tap into the reserve tank that I didn't know I had before. And now I know. So you got like, I'm constantly trying to figure out what is Matt made of? Like, what the hell are you made of, man? And there's those days where I win. And then there's those days where I'm like, I can't do it anymore. And I give up. I'm like, I should have kept going. Like, I know I could have gone more, right? So mm-hmm. it's just being aware because awareness allows you to be more intentional and purposeful. Mm. Let, let me ask you this question because I know this has become one of the signature mantras of our generation, this millennial generation, is the hustle, the grind mentality. And obviously, you, you already spoke to the work ethic that you inherited from your parents, and it definitely sounds like you've got that elements in your brain of like hard work does breed success if you keep doing it consistently over time. I'm wondering if there's, if you have any issues with this hustle and, and grind mentality, or if there's any context or perspective you would give on top of that. I think it's seasonal to, you know, like I look at, uh, you know, Gary V, right. He's always the one who's like, you got to eat shit every single day and chicken nuggets and sleep on the floor and like blah, 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 blah. Right. And then there's other people like Mel Robbins who are like, no, fuck that. Like, you don't need to do that. Mm -hmm. You need to be very purposeful in the time that you're working, but you don't need to work your entire life. I think it honestly depends on what you're working towards. Like, Mm -hmm. what are you working to accomplish? Because there are certain things where you're going to need to eat chicken nuggets and sleep on the floor and work 10 hours a day, you know, or work 20 hours a day and all of those kind of things. Then there are things that that isn't a requirement or necessity. Mm-hmm. And you can still maximize your output with not working 20 hours a day. Mm-hmm. So I think it really depends because when I was first starting up some of my first businesses, that was the mentality I had. I was working 80, 90 hour weeks. And, you know, I look at, did that serve me and allow me to get my businesses off the ground faster? Yeah, it actually did. Would I work 80 to 90 hours a week right now with three and a half year old and a one year old at home and a wife? And no, hell no, because that's not most important to me right now. Mm. So I think that it really depends in what chapter you are in your life, what season you are in your life. And there are times where I'm like, Hey babe, I got some stuff coming up that I'm going to be kind of, I'm going to be grinding. I'm going to be back in here. So what do I need to do in order to make sure I'm still showing up intentionally at home and doing my duties, which are most important to me with my family and my girls. 
And then obviously I can plan accordingly on the other side of things. But I, I really don't think that it's a one size fits all. You have to be this grinder in order to be successful. I just don't think that's the answer to it. I think it depends on what you're going after, what season and stage you are in your life. But if I was going back to being, hey, startup mode, I'm building something from the ground up, it's going to take your all. It's going to take your all and it's going to require a lot of you and then some, in addition to probably some other people as well. But I don't necessarily think that's the, the, you know, the one answer that is end all be all for everybody. And I think it's very, very important to be intentional about how you continuously refill your cup on a daily basis. Because if you're constantly depleted, you know, if this, this water bottle, I don't know if people can see this, but when this water bottle is full, I have a whole lot more to pour into other people. When this water bottle is, you know, barely anything left because I'm grinding every single day, I don't have a whole lot to give. And I believe that when we can give more to others, like you and I are not scalable. We all only have 24 hours in a day, right? But when you start talking about people and systems and teams, then things become a lot more scalable. Mm -hmm. And if I only have a little bit of this to give to other people on my team, I'm not serving anybody. And I'm sure as hell not serving myself. I'm not serving my family. So I think you selfishly have to put yourself before you put anybody else. Whereas a lot of people are always putting other people before them. You got to be intentional about recharging and refilling your own cup every single day. So you can go out there and hustle and grind and do what you need to do and support and serve the people and the causes and the mission that you're behind. But it's one of those things where if all you did was have a one dimensional focus, which is what I had in the beginning, I was very narrow minded, had blinders on. I was working towards a goal. But then it was all business. It was all money. And then all of a sudden my health and my relationships and giving back to the community and all the other things that I told myself were important got depleted or just completely neglected. Mm -hmm. So I believe, and one of the things I talk about is living like a whole life millionaire is don't be one of the people that is one dimensional and living like a millionaire in one pillar, but then bankrupt in all these other areas because ultimately it's not sustainable or fulfilling. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you can live like a millionaire in how you show up as a husband or a boyfriend, or if you can live like a millionaire and how you take care of your health, if you can live like a millionaire, <coughs> excuse me, and how you show up in your job or working with your team members or your community or whatever it may be, that's way more fulfilling, way more sustainable, way more impactful, right? Long-term than just having your cup full and one of the pillars of your life. Cause this is an all inclusive lifestyle we're living and being a millionaire in just one aspect of it, is not going to serve you and it's not going to make you happy long-term. Yeah. hundred percent agree, man. And it goes back to that message of clarity, being clear about why, if, if it is the season of grinding and hustling, that you have a clear intention and purpose behind why you're doing that. And you took the words right out of my mouth being one dimensional. You know, if you're always the hustler grinder, you're only ever going to be a hustler and grinder and there's not going to be more of you available. I think that part of my definition of becoming a man has to be, has to do with having all these different identities, all these different moves that we can pull out of our pockets, out of our out of our utility belt, and implement them depending on what the circumstances present. So, when, you know, you're going to show up differently in a multi-million dollar business meeting than you do when your little when you come home and your little girl says, "Hey, daddy, let's have tea time," right? And right. If, if you can't distinguish those two polar opposites of masculinity, then someone's going to suffer. Someone's yeah. going to suffer the consequences of that. So that's. I think that's really the take-home message right there, man. That's really powerful. Cool. Well, you know, a lot of lot of wonderful things to talk about here. I really like where this ended up going. I, I've got a few more questions I want to ask you before we wrap up. 
Um, sure. Let me start with this question. And I know we just have a few minutes here, but um, I've really been pondering this question about the man that we are exist that we get to be to exist in this modern world the way it is right now with the with the political system with the financial system the man we get to be to, to survive right now versus the man that we get to be for the era that's coming so clearly it seems like there's a shift starting to happen in our culture and i'm wondering if you have given some thought to who you are right now and who you're becoming for the sake of this world that we're creating especially as a man who has children you know thinking about the world that we're creating for them yeah i mean i i think about it all the time you know there's a lot of people who, you know, are the messengers and they're preaching and talking and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, their, their audio does not match their video and how they show up and live their life on a daily basis. So it's one thing to be the messenger. It's another thing to be the message. And I'm always focused on making sure that what I'm talking and preaching, I'm practicing. So I think that's number one right there is to authentically be who you say you are. Mm. Right. And we need leaders right now. So I can't necessarily control what's going on beyond what I can control. And therefore, I don't spend a lot of time and energy trying to control it, where I see a lot of people getting bent out of shape and Trump's doing this or this person's doing that or, you know, this is happening to me or that. What can you control? What can you do about it? And if you can't, then focus and double down and triple down on all the things that you can control and that make a difference in your life because we all have the ability to have a great ripple effect in whether it's in our own personal families and seeing what they go out and do for the next generation, whether it's in our businesses, whether it's in our communities, whether whatever platform you're playing in consistently, be the greatest leader that you can possibly be for those people. And by doing that, you're going to amplify your ability to have a bigger impact on others. And so that's one thing that I just constantly try and remain aware of every day is how did I show up today? Mm. Uh, and, and I, and I, I reflect on that daily, like, where did I show up? Great. Where could I have improved in? And I think, you know, there's a lot of people on this planet that unfortunately are just zombies, man. They're, they're coasting day to day without even thinking about what they can do or knowing that they have the power to make a difference. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you took a little bit of time to work on that every single day to see what would happen in a year and five years and 10 years, because you made that choice to live intentionally and make that a priority in your life, it would be extremely surprising and very, very gratifying. So for me, I, I, I don't necessarily focus too much on others anymore. I'm just really working on what can Matt do every single day to make sure that my audio and my video are aligned, that I'm walking my talk, that I'm not just being the messenger. I'm also being the message and um, giving other people permission to, you know, show what's possible, right? I don't know. I don't think I'm any better, any worse than anybody else. I'm just being me. And if that makes a difference, which I know it can, then that's what I want to make sure that I'm staying in control of. That's it right there. I love that message of doubling down and and taking it, reeling it all in is really what it feels like, reeling it yeah. in back to where you can actually have some influence. And especially for those guys out there who have families, or even if you don't have your own children yet, just knowing that you, you've got nieces, nephews, younger people around who are watching you, they're watching you. That's that's where these these little ones, they, they absorb so much of this information just by modeling and, and, and experiencing how we're showing up in the world. So if nothing else, like you said, be in control of how you show up because it's going to have that ripple effect on other people around you. Yep. 
Awesome, man. Well, as we start to wrap up here, I like to ask a few lightning round questions. Let me ask you this one first. What is one thing you've learned that you wish you knew back when you were 18 years old? Oh, man. I think for me, it is the power of mentorship and proximity to those mentors. Like mentorship just wasn't a very, it wasn't talked about at all, right? Like I had mentors in my life, but I didn't know they were mentors and I definitely didn't take advantage of their mentorship. Mm -hmm. Um, So just by being in proximity to powerful people, powerful thinkers, powerful actors, I wish I would have really had that sink in and register at a much younger age because honestly, mentorship is the greatest life hack, business hack that is out there and available to us today to be able to shorten your learning curve, to avoid mistakes that you probably make otherwise, to be able to tap into other people's network and experiences and wisdom. There's so many powerful things about mentorship that I just didn't, didn't take advantage of. And it has been such an accelerant to me achieving what I've achieved and moving through the mistakes that I've made a whole lot faster just by leveraging and having those people in my life. So for anybody that is listening to this right now, that would be one thing that I would say, if you can surround yourself with high level people that are living the way you want to live, that have the results that you want to have, and you can add value to them, you know, genuinely and authentically and just learn and be a student, uh, that's going to, that's going to pay massive dividends and help you cover a lot more ground in a much shorter period of time. Yes, and everyone out there who you admire, who is successful, who has something that you want, has been mentored by someone else in the past. And people love to mentor those who are willing and open and wanna learn about this stuff. So definitely don't hesitate to put yourself out there and seek mentorship in that way. And let me ask you this one. You already mentioned a lot of values that you hold to be true and to be really important as a man, but what do you think is the most important value to have as a man? Man. My wife has been working on this one with me for for quite some time. And I don't know if it's the most important, but it's something that pops into my head, which is empathy. Mm. I think empathy goes a long way and has more of a ripple effect than you may think it does, right? The other thing that I think of is uh, just your word is your bond. Do what you say you're going to do. Do what you say you're going to do. And I think that is so important because it's easy to talk and it's very easy not to follow through on it. And I think one of the most powerful things you can do to be a representation for other people around you and to be a leader is to walk your talk. You know, and that just kind of goes back to what we've been sharing in some of the previous conversations and topics. But your word is your bond and you should always follow through on that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, man. And then if you're unable to follow through on your word, to take ownership of it instead of hiding out from it or trying to sweep it under the rug. It's also a really powerful leadership move. Awesome, man. Well, listen, I've really enjoyed this conversation. You clearly have a lot of wonderful wisdom to share, and uh, we really captured some awesome stuff here today, man. Just for everybody who's listening, who is not already following you or in your atmosphere, how can people track you? What's the best way to reach out to you, work with you, et cetera? Yeah, um, they can go to mattachison.com where I got all kinds of resources, tools, freebies, downloads, uh, content on there or on social media. All my handles are the same on all the different platforms. Official Matty A, M-A-T-T-Y-A on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. So yeah, I always love connecting with people on uh, that, you know, listen or hear me on a show or, you know, listen to my podcast or whatever it may be. So please do feel free to reach out and 
uh, connect. Awesome, man. Well, thank you for taking the time to be on here today. I'll make sure we get those links up in the show notes for everybody and keep looking forward to tracking your journey, man. We'll have you back on here again in the future to see how you're doing. Jetty, it's been a pleasure, man. Thanks. Right on. There it is. Mattie exiting the building. What a powerful young man. Somebody who I look up to as an entrepreneur, as an investor, as a creator, as a man who is on a mission and clear about what he's up to and why he's here. In fact, of all the money talk aside, the biggest takeaway I had was the importance of being clear on your mission, being clear on the vision you have for your life and what you want to create, and then taking unrelenting, irrepressible action towards that vision. I think Maddie is a man who has embodied that to a T. He's really taken all the information he's gathered from mentors, from books, from podcasts. He, he talked a little bit about how much he reads and how much he takes in information, but he barely mentioned actually how much he invests in information and research into the success stories and the success strategies of other people that have helped him build his own unique path to success. And I think that's an important reminder is that we are not made to replicate other people's success stories. We're not made to duplicate somebody else's pathway to their success because nobody else in the world shares the same unique set of circumstances that we have. Nobody has the same experiences, the same information, the same moments that we've had in our lives. So to try and replicate somebody else's success pattern is not going to work. But to take from people's stories and strategies and experience and absorb whatever lands, whatever feels intuitively right for you, and then to make it your own, that is the journey. That is the path towards unique personal success. So I hope you guys got as much out of this interview as I did as an aspiring real estate investor, not a current real estate investor, but someday will be a real estate investor. Maddie is somebody that I look up to. So I really invite you guys to follow his path. He has so much content out there on every single platform. So make sure you guys check him out, support him, follow him up. And if you're interested, reach out to him because he's got a lot of opportunities to help people who want to get into the real estate investment world. So here's my call of action to you guys. If this message resonated with you, I strongly encourage you guys to apply for Compass. If you're looking to finally create the life you've always wanted, to break through your BS stories and find out what you're truly made of, apply today and claim your spot because the seats are already starting to fill up. I haven't even announced the dates yet and I've already got guys who are signed up and enrolled and ready to go. So make sure you apply today. We'll set up a call. We'll figure out if this is a good fit for you and how to get you into the next level of what you want to be creating in your life. And if you haven't already, make sure you join the Rising Man Facebook community, facebook.com slash groups slash the rising man. If you're already in there, invite at least three men this week so we can keep the community growing and on the rise. Check out the show notes for links and resources over at the risingmanpodcast.com. Every single week, there's a unique post for every episode that comes out, complete with show notes, as well as links that are relevant to the guest and to the topics discussed on that show. So if you haven't been there yet, go check it out. Drop us a comment. Let us know what you think of the episode. Please subscribe or follow the podcast on the app of your choice. Leave a review or comment with your biggest takeaways, insights, and reflections from each episode, either on the app you use, listen to, or at therisingmanpodcast.com. All of this feedback really supports bumping up the podcast in the rankings, and this is going to get this message in front of more people. So if you've been listening to this podcast and you have gotten some value from it, be available to give back 
to another man who is going to read your review, who is going to see the Rise Man podcast pop up on his list and check out what other people are taking away from the show before he goes ahead and listens to it. Think of it as your way of giving back to this movement, because remember, this is the rising men. <laughs> it's the rising man, but we are all rising men. We are the rising man community. So can't do it without you guys. So please go ahead and take action on that today. Check us out on Instagram at the rising man pod and at Jedi Azuma. Shout out to Sean Offenbach over at infinite melodics. That's at infinite M E L O D I X on Instagram. As always, Sean is the one twisting up and spitting out these episodes every week. Sean, I appreciate the work you're doing, man. And a special shout out this time to my rising man intern squad to my man, Rowan, Mark, Julian, you guys are making my life exponentially easier and, and making it possible for this movement to become even more than it already was by supporting me in what it takes to make the Rising Man go. So for those of you guys inside the Rising Man Facebook group, you're going to be hearing more from these three fellas. Really appreciate you guys, everything you're doing. And for the rest of us, all the risers out there, until next time, rise up and claim your destiny. <laughs>